Morning, my church. Christ is risen. Amen. Um, you know, it's been just so good this morning. Just appreciate, um, you know, the songs that we've been singing. We've been proclaiming the gospel this morning. We've been singing. We've been singing truth this morning. You know, it's just as important as preaching the word and reading. But what we sing is really important. The words that we sing. And we've sung a lot of truth this morning. I don't know about you, but I was inspired this morning. I was inspired about my faith. I was encouraged about my faith as we sang together. And I know there was many of you here this morning that were like us as we sang those songs. Isn't God good? He's good. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you to him and the team. And thank you for the ministry um, that you bring. Uh, that we're so blessed. We are really blessed as a church to have these uh, servants of God who um, bring what God has given them and to use for His glory and His glory alone. Praise the Lord. Um, and I just want to just uh, acknowledge uh, Jared. Hey, Jared, you've done a great job this morning. You've done a great job. Praise the Lord. Uh, your first time up here in that, and it's... Uh, it's, it's easy to see as you set your heart before the Lord and as you, as you uh, seek His kingdom. No, it's just the beginning. God will just continue to use you in, in many ways, in more ways than you will ever imagine. Uh, God will do that for you. Praise the Lord. Father, I just want to pray before we start. Lord, I just want to thank you. Just thank you this morning. I thank you for your words. I pray that your words would fall into good soil this morning. I pray that, uh, Lord, that we would go away from here, Lord, with our, our very will, laid low and submitted before you. Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be changed according to the truth of your word, Lord. That we would go from here with purpose in our hearts, Lord, knowing who we are, but more importantly, knowing who you are. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I ask that you would anoint my lips to speak your words. May you be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. You are glorified, Lord. We join with a host of angels this morning, giving glory to our God. We give glory to you, Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord God Almighty. The one who reigns forever and ever. Jesus, you're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. That's who you are, Lord. And we, your people, Lord, we acknowledge you this morning. Bless your name. Bless your name. <coughs> um, this morning I'd like to talk about the uh, Great Commission. If you can put that first slide up, please, Jared. You know, um, when it comes to talking about this, it's, uh, I find it's sort of a subject that not too many talk about. And, um, you know, over the years it's something I myself have sort of shied away from, uh, in a sense, especially when we get down to things like uh, disciples. Well, you know, that's... Um, but I want, to, um, I want to, to talk about this morning and, and share some thoughts on that with you. And hopefully that you'll be encouraged at the end of the day, that you'll be encouraged this today and that we'll walk away from this place with more purpose, more about the Lord's purpose in your life, making those choices. Um, <clears throat> Alright, who knows what the Great Commission is? Put your hand up if you know what the Great Commission is. Yep. Not too many. You know, um, I'm not surprised that, well I am surprised. I am surprised because um, I can say that as a, uh, as a young adult growing up in the church, I would say probably more than half would put their hands up when asked that question. There probably may be some of you who do know it, know what it is, but you never put your hand up. But uh, if we can have the next slide, um, Jeremy, please. This is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These were Jesus' instructions to his disciples just before he ascended. Just before. So you would think, 
you know, and it's pretty important, you know, we want to make sure you understand the mind of your priorities. Um, and just before, the verse before this said, all authority has been given to me. And he gave that same authority to the disciples. And ultimately to you and I as well. <coughs> and, uh, yeah, so that, that's the Great Commission. Um, it's interesting, there was a survey, uh, we can go to slide three. <coughs> it was a survey done by the Barna Group. They were well-known, recognised uh, survey group, but they're well-known amongst, um, in the Christian circles, I, I, I think, I think they are. Anyway, they were asked, um, they uh, did the survey about, uh, um, amongst some churchgoers, uh, and the question was, do you know what the Great Commission is? And there's the results are up here. No, this is in the church, mind you. This is in the church. Half the church didn't know what it was. There was 25% uh, of them that said yes, but I can't recall what it really means. 17% knew what it meant. Less than one in five people in the church knew what it meant. 6%, I'm not sure. That's sad. That's sad, church. When we don't even know what our Lord has said. One of the, one of the you know, key commandments, if, if the, the greatest commandment, as Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart and to love your neighbour as yourself. Surely, this one must come up there. All of these commands are good. They're for us. But the problem is, if we don't know what those commands are, what are we doing? What commands are we following? And generally, it will be our own commands. That's what we follow. Or whatever we're being influenced by. And sadly, in the church, we're getting influenced more by the world instead of this. Instead of the Holy Spirit. Instead of the Word of God. We're doing things. We're following what they do. We're putting their practices into place in the church when we should be submitting His practices. And abiding by his. The Great Commission. Let's have the next slide, please. <coughs> I'll just read this. The Greek term for disciple in the New Testament is mathetes, which means more than just a just student or learner. A disciple is a follower. Someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another, making them his rule of life and conduct. That's quite a challenging statement. Hmm? The Pharisees prided themselves in being disciples of Moses. Jesus' followers were called disciples long before they were ever called Christians. Their discipleship began with Jesus' call and required them to exercise their will to follow him. Is that the next one? I've read this book, I wrote this book probably, I don't know, over 10 years ago. Christ's Call to Discipleship. It's written by a man, James Montgomery Boyce is his name. He wrote this book in 1986. He's writing a few books on discipleship. This is in the first chapter, the very first yeah, right near the beginning. And he writes this, he says, There is a fatal defect in the life of Christ's church in the 20th century. A lack of true discipleship. Discipleship means forsaking everything to follow Christ. But for many of today's supposed Christians, perhaps the majority, it is the case, while there is much talk about Christ, and even much more furious activity, there is actually very little of following Christ. And that means in some circles there is very little genuine Christ Christianity. Many who call him Lord, Lord are not Christians. That's hard hitting. That's confronting when we hear those words. But, you know, I honestly believe there's a lot of truth in that. What God, what, what Jesus have we been preaching? What Jesus did you receive? What Jesus did you give your heart to? But more importantly, what heart did you give to Jesus? Which heart? 
And we need to, I, I am, you know, I'm really challenged in myself sometimes in about the way in which we go about proclaiming the gospel. You know, we, we, we get up here on a Sunday and we preach the word and then we do things, we say, well, who wants to give your heart to Jesus? You know, and I'm a bit, uh, even just using that, I know sometimes because the question I ask is why? Do you know why? Why did you give your heart to Jesus? Why? What was said that prompted you, that did something in you to respond to that? Because I'm telling you that the people are coming up to the front, but they're coming up with different ideas in their mind of who Christ is. Who's this Jesus I'm giving my heart to? Some are coming up here because, hey, here's my ticket to heaven. I believe because I've got a choice. Somebody just told me it's heaven or hell. So, obviously, if we've got any intelligence, let's pick the good one. Heaven. None of us wants to go. Go to hell. Ask people and go out on the streets to the non-believers. Heaven or hell. I'll tell you what, virtually everyone, most of them, will tell you they want to go to heaven. And I'll tell you this, and a lot of them will say that they think they're going to heaven. They think they're going to heaven. Based on what? Based on who they are. Nothing whatsoever to do with the gospel. Nothing whatsoever to actually do with God. They believe that they've got a right to go to heaven because they're not that bad. And they're right. They ain't that bad. But the main thing is, they ain't that good. Only God is good. Only God is good. Sadly, I go to, I go to tummies and that, and I hear people talk about the one that's died, and I know a little bit about them, and I, you know, they're talking about, well, you know, they're in heaven now. I go, well, hang on a moment. Nothing I saw, there was no evidence of what I saw, that indicated that God was a part of your life. So how come you're going? If you didn't want to spend time with God on earth, why would you want to go to heaven and spend time with Him? But obviously, they want. They want to go to the good place. They want to go to the good place, but they don't want to give anything for it. They just think it's an automatic right. Because I'm not Hitler. I'm not Stalin or whoever else you want to name or whoever's at the top of the list, so to speak. Definitely not the devil. So why can't I go to heaven? And we're being... I, I just believe we're not being taught the full message. We're not being told the full message. We need to be told. We need to be when you come. Repent. Why do you need to repent? Because you're a sinner. Let me tell you this. If you don't recognize that you're a sinner when you come forward, what are you coming forward for? Because you're not going to see him as the Savior. You're not going to see him as the Savior. He's just going to be, a, as I said, here's the ticket. Here's the ticket to hell, uh, to heaven. Just say these words. Yes. What are they? What's the formula? But if you don't recognize that he's your Savior, he's your Savior, Christ, God, you know who he was? God. God. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus. Holy, perfect, nothing wrong to die in your place. If you're a born again believer, your sin, my sin, nailed upon him, the one who was righteous, the one who was holy, who didn't deserve nothing. He didn't deserve any of that. Was nailed upon him. And the beautiful things, you see, the beautiful thing about the gospel is, in exchange for my unholiness and my unrighteousness, he gave me his kind of righteousness. And he took upon himself. Oh my God. Lord, I'm grateful. It's what keeps me here. What keeps me here might be, well, yes, I get, I really do. I get poor heart sometimes. Yeah. I get tired. Oh, I can't be bothered anymore. And then I go and I'm reminded again of what my Saviour has done for me. Yeah. And I go, Lord, I'm sorry. 
repent of my attitude. I repent of my attitude. And I know you've got your purposes and your plans for your people. I know he's got a plan in place. And we as a church, we need to see that. We need to know our purposes. I'm saddened by the fact that people can come in week after week and no changes, nothing. Nothing. Still the same. Yeah, like Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever. Surely not. Surely not. The walk is for a purpose. It's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. That's the purposes. And we've got good news, did you know that? And we were singing, what we were singing about this morning, it's good news. It's good news. You know, at first, they need to know the bad news because they're going to appreciate the good news. They're going to appreciate the good news. They're going to realize they're going to be a conviction by the Holy Spirit of their sin. I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm a sinner, Lord. And only you can save me. Oh, church, we need to. We need to take hold of this. We need to believe what we say. We don't need to swim. Not only sing about it, not only speak about it, we've got to believe it and we've got to put our trust in it. If we're going to be the influence that God has called us to be, we've got to believe His words. And as we were singing this morning, I don't know about you, but when I sing those words, I believe it. I believe. I believe what it says. I don't just sing them because they're good words. I don't sing because my emotions are stirred. Yes, my emotions are stirred. They're stirred all right. But that's not what drives me. I'm not led by my emotions. I'm led by the truth. This is the truth. It's real. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. It's in you. That's what my Bible says. And if it was able to raise Jesus from the dead, it can raise us. We're new people in Christ. You're a new creation if you're a born-again believer. Jesus, if you'll put your trust, that's the confidence I have. The confidence I have that the same Spirit that Jesus raised from the dead abides in me. Amen. The very Spirit of God, and it abides in me. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say how many or whatever. I don't know. I'm not God. God knows. But I know this this morning. The Spirit of God is in you. You know. Because the Holy Spirit testifies within us. Testifies to us. And sadly, there are some people who put their trust in the words, in the formula while saying something, but they haven't believed. They haven't trusted. And if you look, if you if you look at if you look at the, the parable of the sower, only one soil went on to produce fruit. Only one soil. All the you know, a couple of them started to show little signs. And once the pressure came on, once the pressure came on, once the heat, once, uh, you know, other things came into their life, pretty much the way they went. One in four. One of the soils. One of the soils. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. If we're a born-again believer, I say this, you will produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give you His Spirit so that you could sit back and do nothing. He desires, it's a purpose, and I believe, He will raise His people up. And sometimes we just need to be stirred now and again. You know, I need to be stirred. I'm looking for other people around me who will stir me in my faith. Not tell me, ah, whatever. You know, sometimes, and, and some, you know, it's great when we see new people in the faith. It's great to see. And they need to be encouraged, they need to be built up, they need to be discipled. Yeah. They need to be discipled, church. We've lacked that. That's gone out of the churches. We're looking for other ways. We're looking for simpler methods. And then we do that. We're looking for what the world is. We want to use what they use to attract people. Did God say that? No, He didn't. He said the power of the gospel to save. The power of the gospel to save. Nothing else. 
Spirit. God will do the work. But the way that he said it was going to be done was through the proclamation. Who's the one who's going to proclaim? If we're born again believers, that's us. That's the method. That's the way he said, I want my message to go out. I want it to go out on your lips. Not just speaking it, believing it, putting your trust in it. Because if you don't believe it, you ain't going to go there. Can we have the next slide? <clears throat> go into the world, the first part. Disciple, make disciples of all cultures. Disciples, baptize into the Trinity. Teach to obey all the commands. You know, one of the things that I think that is sad is that we, in church, we're expecting people to go out when they don't actually really understand what they're going out with themselves. How do I expect you, if you don't really understand what you've done, if you're, if I said to you, well, why are you a Christian and somebody come back and well, I gave my heart to Jesus. What does that mean? Died on the cross for my sin. I'm born again. What else does it mean? Now let me tell you this. I don't stand up here today saying, well, gee, you've got to go out and do all these other works to add to your salvation. You've been saved by the grace of God. The grace of God. We've been saved. Okay? But, the works are the result of the Spirit of God in our lives. Right? We're not saved because of our works. We're saved for, to do His works. And I, I, yeah, I know this. I really believe this with all my heart. That if you believe the message, if you believe it, and if you're bringing that and you're surrendering and submitting to your life as a disciple should to God, God will take you and He will use you. And when you, am I standing here and saying, well, you need to, you have to get out on the street, you have to go out on the, in the streets of Kodai and start proclaiming the word? I'm not even saying that. I just know this, that as you go, and you go in His power, and you go trusting Him and believing Him, and you go when you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to flow out of you. It's going to flow out of you. You're going to be. You're going to be a testimony in your workplace. Even though you may not even uttered any words about Jesus, people are going to see. They're going to see the light in the darkness. That's why He's in us for a reason. He's in us. He's placed. He's, he's given Himself for a reason to be the light in the darkness. And we live in a dark, dark world. And we were at one stage. We were there ourselves, many of us, this morning. We were once. Part of the problem is we've forgotten. We've forgotten what we once were. We've forgotten. Who can remember a couple of times ago when I preached with Eddie Munn and I got Eddie Munn up here. Remember when I put the blindfold around him and put the chains on him. Right, and I said he was, you know, he was in chains to a simple nature that Satan was his master. All of that, blind, he was spiritually blind. Yeah, we've forgotten that was once us as believers. We put it, we put it to the thigh. Yeah, Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. I tell you today, I stand here today and I say there is no greater testimony in my life than what God did for me. Nothing, nothing will compare with that. I don't care. I don't care if you've been raised from the dead. Someone's been physically raised from the dead. Somebody's had an arm broke back. Somebody's eyes have been opened. But their heart hasn't been opened up by Jesus. Yeah. And if Christ has come in, they're just healthy sinner under the condemnation of God. That's what they are. And people are putting their trust, thinking that those are the things. That's the things that people want to see. That's what they want to see. That they want to see the dead be rise. Hey, I'm all for that, as long as the glory is for God. It's for God's purpose. Because I tell you this, there were many people, there were many people in Jesus' time that saw. They saw. 
done miracles. And he did lots and lots of miracles. He did lots. Were they convinced in the end? No. Coming back to forgetting, you know, there's the story of the ten lepers. Now these lepers, these are outcasts in society. They're out Nobody wants to know them. Nobody wants to know them. And they cry out to Jesus. Jesus! Heal us, Jesus! And Jesus, it's amazing. Jesus goes, go and see the priests and you'll be made clean. And what they do is they go. And as they're going, they're actually healed. Wow! Wow! How would you be if you were a leper? How would you be if you were a leper? And you know that people couldn't stand you, that nobody wanted you to be around. You were the outcast of society. How would you be as one of those, those ten lepers as you're going next minute? Oh my gosh, we're here. Let me tell you, one, one came back to Jesus and said, Jesus, thank you. And Jesus asked the question, wasn't he ten? How quick they forgot what they were. They forgot what they were. And we need to be reminded, not in a condemning way, hey, the Christian life is not about condemnation. My Bible tells me, Romans 8, 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit has come to convict us. Convict us and to change us and to make, him, make us more like Him. There's a purpose in it. God's got a purpose. <clears throat> make disciples of all cultures. Where have you made that? You've got... It's right there. If you're born again, if you have the Spirit of God, the power is within you. The power is within you to do and to be who God has called you to be. What we have to do, we have to bow the knee, church, not just once, not just twice. We bow the knee day by day. Do we do what we're meant to do all the time? No, we don't. Paul himself wrote that. Why is it the things I do, I shouldn't do, and the things I shouldn't do, I end up doing? I always leave. But then he goes and says, Wow, therefore now there's no condemnation for those who trust Jesus. We don't do it. I was thinking about this this week. I've had lots of thoughts as I've been preparing for this message. But, you know, I was thinking, oh, gee, even this week, what are some of those things? What are the things I've done? And I think about it. I think about my thoughts. And I go, well, there's some for a start. There's some for a start. I think about my words at times. I go, there's some more. In fact, I just want to share this. And I, and I got convicted of it. Really did. Um, I had a family member speaking to me about a problem over in Melbourne. And there was a problem with uh, one of the managers there and what they was doing. And apparently, it's, you know, a lot of the staff uh, were saying the same things. Let me tell you this. You know what I felt in my heart when she was telling me that? I wanted to get on the plane and go there and punch him in the head. That's true. I am being honest. That's what my flesh wanted to do. It wanted to do that. And I was amazed. I was amazed. I said, my God, that's the old man. We've died to that. And the conviction came about it. And I said, it was amazing. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. And Lord, I lifted that man up in prayer. And I lifted the family member. And guess what? From what was a very distressful situation, Kath and I were talking last night. Oh, gee. Thomas said, you know what? My attitude changed and I'm going to work and I'm just going to do what I am going to do. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm believing for more. I'm believing for more. We've got to be passionate about what we believe. How are our kids? For our kids. I look at, you know, I'll be, my family, only one of my kids are walking in the faith. The other three, no. they've been to church when they're younger. They know, they know about Jesus. They know about that. But you know what? 
I hang on. I hang on. I said, God, in the same way that you poured your mercy and your grace into my life, into, my, into Kat's life, Lord, would you pour your grace and your mercy into my kids, into my grandchildren? Would you do that, Lord? Would you have mercy upon us, oh God? Have mercy. Forgive them, Lord, of their rebellion because they know what they should be doing and they don't do it. And they don't do it. And I know there'll be most likely others who are saying, we've got to lift them up in prayer. We've got to encourage, we've got to ask God. We've got to ask God, God, would you save them? Would you save them? Would you rescue them? Our, our family members, our brothers and sisters, our parents, our, our workmen, whatever, whoever. We've got to call out to God. And we don't. You know, it's like we've been content, we've forgotten. We're content, I'm all good. I'm all good. Jesus say that to the disciples? You're all good. I'll catch you when I come back. No. He didn't. So go and make disciples like yourself. Paul, the apostle, he said, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. That's what that's the example he said. And you read the scriptures, my gosh, that man, only by the grace of God. When I read a story, I love that, brother. I love the inspiration when I read his words. He inspires me. I go, oh God, he took a man, you know, what I love about the most beautiful part of it. This man thought he was already doing the work of God. He wasn't looking to be saved because he didn't even, he didn't think he needed to be saved. Here he was, I'm walking on the road. I'm going to catch those Christians. I'm going to put some more of them to death. I know what I'm about. I'm about God's business. And then God, God intervenes. He intervenes. And he grabs a hold of this man's life and he totally transforms him. The disciple life is about transformation, church. We are about being transformed. Growing in our faith. Growing in our faith. And I want to encourage every one of us this morning. You know, we're all being different. Some of us have been in the faith for a long time. Some of us, it's only a short time. But I know this. The same requirement, the requirements are stated the same. Humble yourself before the Lord. Get to know Him more. This, you know, even baptizing. We're not really doing that. I was talking to a brother this morning and saying, you know, I, there's not many. I don't see a lot of those baptisms these days. And that's been in the last 20 years, 30 years. When I got, when I, um, when we, I, I say this, I believe the Lord from a young age. I don't know, God gave me faith from a young age. Did I listen to him? No, I didn't. I spent a lot of my teenage life um, doing my own things. I was living like an adult as a young teenager, 15, 16. Kath and I, Kath was 16, three month old baby when I met her. I was 17, but well, I was living like a, and even before I met her, living like an adult, taking care of my stuff, doing what I wanted to do. But I believed God. There was something, I knew He was, was right. And I wasn't willing to give over my life. I wanted to do. Like a lot of my mates who grew up in the church, and I'll say, say that to young people, a lot of my mates, we all went to church here. We went to church in Colorado. I would be going to church on a Sunday, virtually every Sunday, Sunday school Sunday, right up to Colorado, here until I was 12, until I was 12, and then after that, my, my dad said, oh, you don't have to go to church. Because he didn't go. But I tell you what, I was going to church I was going to church on a Sunday and on Saturday, me and my mates, me and my other Christian family mates, we were robbing places in this town, stealing stuff. There's a place not too far from here, I guarantee you like clockwork. We used to break into this place the whole time. I don't understand why they, the same stuff was there every week, to pinch, to take. Money was there. You're going to learn your lesson, hey, all goods. But I would do that. I would do that on a Saturday. 
Fishing, fishing, nearly at least twice a month in other places, other businesses in this town. And they go to church on Sunday. I knew it wasn't right. I wasn't convicted. I wasn't convicted enough to change my life. Anyway, coming back, and then as a young adult, got saved. Got saved. No, I made. A, I believe I made a recommitment. God just got a hold of my life. Sadly, within a couple of years, the lure of the world got started to take a hold of the game. I started to look at those things, and then I, I, I uh, so to speak, I backslid. And it wasn't a good time in my life. It wasn't a good time for both Kath and I. It wasn't a good time, honestly. I probably was worse in that period of time than I'd ever been in my life. But God in His grace and He disciplined me and He brought me back. He disciplined me. He brought me to my knees. And He showed me that I was wrong. And I'll tell you what, since that time, oh yeah, have I wanted to run off again and other you know, times during that period? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Have I wanted to give up? Yeah, yes I have. But, I believe it even more today, church. I believe this more and more. I believe it. In my exhortation, I know that the more of us that believe it and act upon it, we'll see the church grow. But before we can go, we have to know it ourselves. We have to put our trust in it ourselves. We have to, we have to begin doing it. How can I tell people about the love of Jesus won't I don't believe it. But you know what? I love telling people. When I get an opportunity, I'll tell them. I'll tell them about this Jesus I know. I'll tell them. I'll tell them. I'll testify them. I don't necessarily have to tell them about my life. I tell them about his life. Because his life is can be trusted in every way. His life. Yes, my testimony. It's good to have that testimony. But I tell you what. The best testimony is the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. And you wives, if you believe that, if you believe it, let's do it. But we're going to go out there. We're going to go. We're going to be out there. We're going to be in our workplaces. And the word of the Lord will be upon our lips. We know it. We know it. You know about God. The conviction is there. You believe it. And then the trust. That's the part. The trust part. You put your trust in it. And you go. And you go out in the community. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. Honestly, I do. I, I want you. If, if you don't know much about God, come and have a chat. Let's talk. There's a group of you who would like to know more. Learn more about the basics. You know, if you're in that situation where like more than half, as that example was, they don't even know what the Great Commission was, let's learn about it. I'm telling you, it's going to inspire you. It's going to inspire you. These are words of life. We just think that they're words. The world mocks. They go, oh, they just written my man. And I say to them, a very breath of God, these men wrote these words. It's a divine inspiration. They're not just in. Yes. So you say that about other books. I don't say that about this book. This is the word of God. The inspired word of God. Your God breathed. Breathed into me and then they wrote his words. That's why. And those are the words we need to learn, church. We need to know about. Because they will inspire you to do what we're called to do. I'm saddened. And you don't know because I've felt like that at times. Because there's some Christians, we're bored. We're bored. We've seen it. We've been there. Done that. We've been there. We've done that. We just come along. We just think, oh, well, same old, same old. Well, of course, if that's the way we're going to approach it, keep doing what you're doing. Why would you expect to change? Why would you expect to change if you're going to keep doing what you do? We all want to see, everyone will put their hands up. You want to see people get saved? Yeah! Do you want God to use you to see that what you brought about? Mm, not sure about that. 
Can I get back to you? Let you know next week, maybe. First. We need to be filled first, church. How can you go out there if you're not going to be filled yourself? How are you going to go? You know, I read things being filled with the Holy Spirit. It led to things. It was a cause. It wasn't just filled and oh, yeah, I'm all good. No. They filled, it affected them, and then it flowed out. And it began to touch others. That's how it moves it. But we've got to be filled ourselves. And I'll tell you what. You want to make a start? Start reading that. <coughs> start reading that and see what words say. That says, it will open you up, church. It will shine a light. It will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will teach you. It will educate you. It will do all of those things. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Honestly, it's not just in words. And they're there for a purpose. They're there for a purpose. He's calling us all, young and old. I'd encourage the young ones. Now, you're going to have so many distractions. I thought I had plenty of distractions when I was young. Oh my gosh. You've got so many distractions. But if I could encourage one thing, if you can keep your eyes on the Lord, if you can read this and be inspired by this, I tell you what, God will take you and He will do amazing things with you. And He will speak through you. And you will be a witness. And you will be a disciple. Because you're choosing to submit. And not just our young people, our old people, our middle people, whatever people. We all need to. Imagine the church. Imagine if we came every Sunday just inspired. Imagine the testimonies. We wouldn't have enough time. We have enough time. There's so many testimonies. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? People. There's our trust and our confidence. I haven't got time. There's lots of surveys. There's another survey that, um, that was done by this New Zealand group in 2018. Can you turn um, to... Okay, yeah. Okay, so... 33% profess to be, well, Christian, you know, Christian, okay? Yet, 16% of those that professed were churchgoers at least once a month. That was the high school. Um, 9%, not even 1 in 10, 9% profess to be active practices. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is your church, Lord. Next one, please, quickly. I'm going to finish. This is the thing. You know what this showed me here? This is to non-Christians. I ask this question to non-Christians. Openness to exploring religion. And when we say religion, that will make this Christianity any other religion. 10% were very interested, quite open. 15% would consider. 75% said, most unlikely, would not consider. And I looked at that, and I was looking at that, and you know what? I got encouraged by that. Why did I get encouraged? Because I saw the 10 and the 15%, I saw them as the 25% who are ready, possibly, that are ready, that are ready to hear the message. Yeah, they're all meant to hear the message, but I tell you this, many will reject it. That's what my Bible says. Many will reject it. I don't know who. And I've said this before. The message is going to be one of life to one and a message of death to the others. People are not out there busting to hear God and to hear from God. Like you and I. We weren't busting. We were about doing our own. God intervened. Like he intervened in Paul. God intervened in our own. But I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to do it I'm not. Those are just some of my thoughts. But I looked at that and I thought, that's what stood out to me. Next one, please, or the one before, maybe. Yeah. Oh. 
Why no religion? 43%, this is what the, this, those non-Christians out there, 43% said they prefer a scientific and evidence-based approach. And I was reading that, can't read my scriptures, I was reading that, and you know what come to me? Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the assurance of things hopeful for those things not seen. That's what I would say to people. That's what I would say. Among other things. But those are one of the scriptures that came, came to me. Blessed are those who have seen, not seen, and yet believe. Next one. Religion is outdated and traditional. That's what they're saying. And I said to them, in my, what came to me was, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. God does not need to change to adjust to how man thinks. God doesn't need to change his ways to make it more acceptable to the world. Because then all it is, it just becomes the world again. It's just the flesh. We don't have to adjust. But the world expects us to adjust. They don't like what we say. We, and if we're not saying it, they certainly don't like what this says. And they're going to take it, and they're going to try and change it to suit their ends. And sadly, people in the so-called church as well are doing exactly that for them. And they're changing this. Religion is a crutch for the weak. 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient. In my weakness, I'm weak. I'm weak. And they just sit on the bathroom and say, oh, I can't bother. It's too hard. But he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. Church, you know, if you've been here this morning um, and you're not, you aren't, you may be wondering possibly who's this God he's talking about. Um, I just want to tell you, he's, he's risen, he is real, God is real. And God, does, God desires to know you, to save you. Can we, can we go back to the, uh, the song words, please? Just go back. Let's do just one more thing. Finish with this. This is church. This is what inspires me. That's why I can come to church this morning and be inspired. Yes, I talked to him about this one because I got we were singing this last Sunday with the youth in Father Eight, and I just go, I know the song. I know it. I got inspired again. I go, oh God. I asked him. I said, can we sing this song? But even the other song, the other songs that we we great song. We believe, church, if you've been born again of the Spirit of God, this is what we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And that He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection and He's coming back again. He's coming back again, church. Oh, and he's going to come back as a triumphant king. Yeah. When he came the first time, he came to save people from their sin. When he comes back again, he's going to come back as a triumphant king. Yeah. And he's going to come back for a people that he has prepared for himself. Yeah. That's you and I, church. That's the real purpose of our life. It's for him. It's for his purposes and his plans. Next, next slide, please. Let the lost and found, that was us church, that was us. Let the lost and found be raised. In the here and now, let love invade. Let the church live loud. Our God will say, we believe, we believe. And the gates of hell will not prevail. For the power of God has torn the veil. Now we know your love, it will never fail. We believe, we believe church. Take those thoughts out with you as you go. Take them with you. <coughs> nurture those words. Nurture them. Nurture his words. Allow them to grow in your life and cause you to be changed more and more like him. To be in the light. I encourage you.
you don't know Jesus this morning, if you're saying, well, who's this Holy Spirit? Who's this God? What's he talking about? I encourage you to come. Think about some of the things I've said. But I tell you this, this one thing I want you to know. Don't come on your terms. You come on his terms. You come recognising that you need a saviour. You come recognising that he's not just saviour, he is Lord. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is God. Come with that attitude. Come talk. Oh, I love to talk about Jesus. I love to share faith. And if you're someone that says, hey, I want to link, I want to know more. I want to know more. You know, I'd love to help you do that. I'd love to help a group who are in that position. You say, I want to I want to learn more about Jesus. But I'll ask one thing before you, if you do want to do that, before you come and see me, I'll ask you, be committed to it. If you really want it, you'll do it. If you really want it, you'll do it. If it's really, you know, it's got to be more than just your emotions being touched. But your very will will be changed and Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your church. I thank you that your church, Lord, is a victorious church. Your church is a victorious church. Because you've won the victory for us, Lord. You've won the victory. And so, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for what you've done. And we stand this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we would go from this place, every one of us, myself, Lord, Above all, inspired even more, inspired even more to do what you called us to do, to be who you called us to be. Lord, and I pray that in this place, Lord, will be the attitude of submission and surrender before you. And I pray that you will take them, Lord, and that you will use them for your glory. Praise the Lord.